this is Reagan Kramer of the Revelations Podcast, and we are going to do something different today. I am excited about what God has put in uh, in our hearts for this episode. But first, I want to thank you all for listening and sending like so much encouragement and sharing this podcast. It's been almost exactly a year since we started uh, Revelations Podcast that was formerly loved by the King. We had a name change a couple months ago, and I am just humbled by what God has done in and through this podcast in the last year. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. God is so good. And I want you to know we have a new website that's super exciting. You can uh, see all of our watch or listen to all of our podcasts at therevelationspodcast.com. Sign up for uh, our emails. We're going to be giving, doing some really fun giveaways and some fun things from the website. Also follow us on Instagram at therevelations.podcast to always be up on the latest. But now I am so excited to introduce you to someone extremely special to me. Uh, he's actually my husband, Dr. George Kramer. We've been married uh, for 18 years, and he's just been an, a huge support uh, for the Revelations podcast. And literally, if it, if it wasn't for him, this would not be possible. So I'm just extremely grateful for him and thankful that he could be on the show. It's his first time on the podcast, and I have a feeling it will not be his last. <laughs> so thanks for not. being here, George. How are you? Great, great. I'm glad you're extremely excited. I am extremely excited to introduce my husband mm. to all of our audience because you're an amazing guy and uh, God has brought us together in a unique way many years mm -hmm. ago. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how we got together and what you're doing now. Well, I have three uh, adult boys and uh, one Henry, nine-year-old, uh, with Reagan, she joined the four boys, those three older boys, and myself when they were teenagers. So she really was brave and did very well. And they're great uh, teenagers. They're great young men now. And I, we have five grandchildren. And Henry is now nine. Uh, and we're enjoying baseball and different things with him. But God brought us together 18 or 20 years ago now. Mm -hmm. We're married 18 years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, when we got married, I had three instant teenage boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she did very well. They did very well, and she did very well. Amazing. Yeah, it was an adventure, especially the first year. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we've, been, we've had our ups and downs. We've been through a lot together. But we uh, feel very blessed that God has been the center of our marriage and has brought us through you know, some crazy things we might talk about some other time. Mm -hmm. But the reason we are doing this podcast today is um, we were just having, actually Sunday we were having our uh, 18th year anniversary and we just gotten back from a trip and we were just sitting out on the deck at night and talking and, you know, most people talk about what happened the last 18 years, like we kind of did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, yeah, we picked out some favorites, yeah. Yeah, and then all of a sudden we got, I mean, if you don't know me my, by now, uh, I can be a very intense person. 
and I can when I when I talk about spiritual things and about Jesus, I can get intense. And so, of course, on our 18th anniversary, we just started talking about the occult because that's what most people do. Um, <laughs> anyways, you and, you started. I I added. <laughs> I don't even know how that happened, but. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like, okay, we are in our third season of Armored. Um, I feel like I have had a fair amount of experience in this and that the Lord brought it up again. You know, I'm like, George, let's just get on this podcast and just talk about what we know, because that is definitely something we need to be armored up against, as Ephesians 6 says. And if you haven't listened uh, to our first three podcasts, we talk about uh, Ephesians 6, the full armor of God, how we could be we can be armored up to fight the spiritual battles. We uh, spoke with Susie Larson, who's just an incredible force for Jesus. And um, so far, it's been an incredibly an incredible season. Shug Burry was on uh, talking about how to pray in the name of Jesus, the power that we have. And so I, I didn't I don't think we can get through the season without talking about the occult and really what it is. So um, we are going to get to that in a minute, but George, I always ask our listeners, what did you go through as a child? Or I mean, you're a physician now, right? Yes. Um, that brought you to this place that you're at now. I mean, not only are you a physician, but you also, this is kind of like your life and ministry <laughs> and, it, and not a lot of people do what you do. So could you just explain that a little bit? Yes, I I grew up in a uh, home where God was important. It wasn't a personal relationship, but God was important. My dad was in the choir, and we went to church, and so it was really helpful for me. Knowing God was there, I prayed, it, but I didn't know uh, God personally. I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ, and really didn't hear or know about the born again, what it meant to be born again, until actually uh, around... Uh, the Jesus Movement time in the seventies, mm. and uh, we were just we were just got back from the Cotton Bowl, the fiftieth anniversary of Expo seventy two, where B- Billy Graham was at the Cotton Bowl and led an evangelistic uh, event where the Cotton Bowl was full of Jesus people. That was in nineteen seventy two. Nineteen seventy two, and a lot of the I learned that a lot of the more modern Christian music came out of that time in the 70s where the, the Jesus people and things like that. <clears throat> and actually, it was, it was back, back then I didn't know what it meant and there and there were actually bumper stickers that kind of made fun of the Jesus movement mm-hmm. back there. It was like, I remember one was Jesus saves at First National Bank, you know. And uh, another one was I found Jesus because there would be a lot of bumper stickers back then. Sure. And and then I, there'd be cartoons. I didn't know he was lost. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it it, it raised awareness, and it mm-hmm. really did change our country for, for the sure. better, for sure. uh, that Jesus movement. And <clears throat> I so I didn't really know about it until later on. I A, a friend uh, discipled me and taught me that we're saved by grace and not by works. Because my church was, if I was, if I was good enough, I could get to heaven. Uh, where I where Jesus died for me and I'm going to heaven and I'm, I do I do what the right thing not because it get me to heaven because I'm so glad I'm going Amen. and I uh, you asked about my practice I um, 
when I grew up, my dad was ill most of the time. He had severe heart disease and was not able to work uh, most of the time and would get carried off on ambulances. And and I think that probably um, made me more likely to be in a helping profession trying to, people will say, oh, you're a doctor because you couldn't help your dad. You know, and mm-hmm. I prayed a lot, I prayed a lot, and God answered many, many prayers mm-hmm. um, over the years. Um, but I think that's what what strengthened my connection with God, or started it, and then once I became uh, born again <laughs> and received Christ, uh, it moved me along with mission trips, a lot of, some medical mission trips, and with you, and, uh, and, and even before we met. So, and then that, and and when I on some of those mission trips, I'd pray with my patients because mm-hmm. they'd be in uh, churches and things like that. And I thought I should be doing this at my home and when I'm in my practice in my office. So I do. I pray with my patients. I offer the prayer if they would like it, and almost everybody uh, wants it. And some say, "You're going to pray, aren't you? Uh, don't forget to pray." And others say, you know, the prayer is way more important than the procedure. And I said, yep, it is. It is. I'm the helper, not the healer. And I'm a vehicle for God's healing. Mm, I love that. Yeah, there's a lot of people that (laughs) I've been here at the office, at your office, and, you know, you might have forgotten to pray, and they're like, is he going to pray for me next time? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he didn't. He didn't not want to pray for you. He just forgot because he was busy. So that means a ton to people, and um, I'm just really encouraged that you're doing that, and then God has led you to that because we need that more than anything. You and I have been in um, at the doctor's office, and you know we we struggled with infertility. We've both had uh, medical issues, and. You know, when you have a believer in the room, when you even have someone that's open to prayer, it changes the atmosphere um, in that room and of what you're going through. And you get to do that every single day that you're practicing. And I I just believe that um, God will never know the side of heaven what all those prayers have done. Yeah, we do get some glimpses the side of heaven. Uh, a lot of prayers are answered, and we can celebrate the see the mir- miracles that God makes in healing sometimes, and and minor miracles and major miracles. So we do get to see it mm-hmm. sometimes. <laughs> right, and I like how you just said that you tell people that you're God's the healer, but you're the vehicle, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today with the occult kind of as we get going here because that is the point like jesus has given us all power and authority in the spirit to heal and cast out things that are not of him and sometimes we don't even understand or know that we have something going on like it may be something from our past something in our childhood some a generational sin or curse we didn't know was in our family line and uh, God can use us to help other people and ourselves to be free from that. So um, let's just get right into the definition of a cult. When we were talking on the deck, I was like, yeah, I was listening to a podcast and the guy's like, yeah, I think the definition of a cult in the Greek is to cover or hide. And then what did you say? I said, yeah, in, in, med- in medicine, it's a hidden disease or a or a an uh, undetected disease, like an occult. I just yesterday reading a report, there was an, a possible occult fracture, meaning a fracture that you can't see. 
and we there are occult malignancies or occult cancers that that they we we can't detect them but they're there there's occult infections sometimes there's an infection someone's got a fever they're and their blood their blood work is all off but we don't know where the infection is it's an occult infection even some of the tests that we do for like <clears throat> um um Colon cancer, we do an occult blood test for for um, uh, urine, kidney problems, or bladder. We do a, a occult, looking for occult blood in the urine. Mm. Occult meaning hidden or not mm. noticeable. And the, the and, and in medicine, there's a lot of Latin, and that's the origin of occult. The word occult is Latin to hide from view, or to cover up or conceal, and. Uh, that many many medical terms are origin in Latin and occult is one of them. Okay, that just blew my mind. I I had no idea that that was a medical term, and I'm like, wow, what an analogy! If you think of, you know, some disease that you is hidden in your body, well, think about what other things can be. I mean, disease can also be demonic. I'm not saying it always is, but it also can be. But what other things could be hidden? in us spiritually that we don't even know are there that are inhibiting us from living life to the full. Yes, and we've had some, we've done reading and been to some conferences on the, the spiritual roots of disease. And not all disease has spiritual roots, but many, many do. And the, the spirits of, say for instance, of feeling unloved or, the, or feeling rejected or the spirits of unforgiveness. Now, unforgiveness is a big one. And if there's a spirit, and we t think of these as, or, or they, in some teachings, they really are spirits mm -hmm. of unforgiveness that are, are the problem in your life, and we need to cast them out. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the conference we talked about, not very many doctors will tell you when you're sitting in their doctor's office, you're not going to get better until you forgive your mother-in-law. But that's the truth. In mm -hmm. many situations, um, not only it's physiologic, whether you, you, you it increases stress, decreases your immune system, and, and makes you more susceptible to, to disease. So that's just one example. Yeah, that's good. And we, I think we're going to eventually do a podcast with you again just on spiritual roots of disease. But just to touch on that, just FYI. Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's like, okay. Um, but if we're looking at, he George described the medical definition of a cult. Merriam-Webster describes it as not revealed, secret. Oxford Dictionary uh, defines it as involving or relating to supernatural, mystical, or magical powers or phenomena. And if we go back to Genesis, um, it's just so interesting, you know, if we're in um, Genesis 3 and it's like, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. We've all read that before. But when you start to think of those words, occult, hidden, secret, mysterious, pertaining to the supernatural, uh, and that can go into, you know, just common day practices today, astrology, witchcraft or Wicca, the black arts, fortune telling, magic, Ouija boards, tarot cards, uh, Satanism, 
there, there's a ton. I mean, I'm not going to be naming them all, but and I don't want to say that in any way that we are experts on this at all because we aren't. We have just had experience with seeing people get free, including ourselves, from some um, past experiences that we have had when we didn't actually know that it was bad or evil or what we were doing because we weren't believers. So when we go into the scripture, uh, the serpent says to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, a temptation, right? And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, because we all want to be wiser, wiser than God, right? She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. So immediately after they had sinned, they didn't know they were naked before. Then all of a sudden, they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So from the get-go, Adam and Eve were hiding something from God. They knew they were naked, and then they needed to hide their bodies because they knew that they had sinned. And then if you go down... Um, to chapter three, verse eight. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God says, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? So then Adam goes on to blame Eve, and here we are in this sinful story which has been going on since the Garden of Eden where we're hiding from God, we're hiding from ourselves, we're hiding from the truth about who we are, that we are gods and that he created us and he knows what's best for us. And we keep trying to find ways uh, that we think are best for us and so that's why i just wanted to dig into this because this has been going on for thousands and thousands of years and i think that the enemy or satan has been able to tempt us into maybe using um or doing things that maybe even seem like christianity but they're actually not they're actually not of god and maybe practices of the occult do you agree yeah Mm-hmm. And I, as we were talking, I realized that you had said that, in in a way, anything not of God is a cult, and the, these spirits of unforgiveness, spirits of they're hidden, they're mm-hmm. hidden, mm-hmm. And, and Satan likes to hide in plain sight. But we, in our culture, especially, deny that he's even there. So he's very successful in hiding, and that's a cult being a hidden hiding. So why do you think we hide so much? I was thinking more about the spirits that were hiding and yeah. Satan's hiding. But then he may, well, that's true. But then I, then we, like in our flesh, because of 
the spirits that may be hiding in us want us to hide from God. Yes, by by putting guilt on us mm-hmm. and shame, mm-hmm. and shame makes us hide. I think that's it. Yeah, and then that creates strongholds, right? I mean, we talked about strongholds a little bit yesterday. Like, what are strongholds? The Old Testament uh, speaks of strongholds uh, quite a bit, and uh, but in the New Testament, Second Corinthians ten three through five, Paul writes: For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So this passage shows us that spiritual strongholds are arguments, lofty opinions, and thoughts that are raised against the knowledge of God or are held above him. Strongholds are rooted in pride, it seems like, because they it makes us just rely on ourselves and what we think we can accomplish. Um, they lead us to a prideful heart, unhealthy thought patterns, and obviously sin. And anything that we trust in besides the Lord Jesus Christ can become um, a spiritual stronghold. And I think sometimes we can just live our lives under strongholds that may be, you know, generational. Like, I'm just going to give you an example. Like, my grandfather uh, was in the Masons, and he was pretty high up there. I, I don't remember exactly what order, but it was, you know, it, when this came across uh, my knowledge, you know, a couple years ago after my grandmother died, I was like, hmm, what What even is that? And I started researching, and we're not going to get into exactly what all that is, but uh, it, when you start to look into secret societies and people that are trying to sort of hide oaths and things that they make you sign and do before you can be a member, we need to just stop as Christians and research, you know, what's actually going on here? Yes, and and one of the definitions, and I'm not sure which dictionary it was, but a definition of a cult is secret, disclosed only to the initiated or secret societies by definition, are a cult because they're secret. So that is an example of, and there are many, uh, but I just thought of that and other other things we don't necessarily think of as a cult. Um, they are, mm-hmm. if they're secret. And sometimes they're, they're couched or, or pseudo-Christian mm-hmm. to make them seem more acceptable to, be a, to have a secret society. So that's yeah. an occult society. So, George, you and I have been on uh, quite a few mission trips. We've been to Belize, to an African village in Belize, to Haiti, uh, which, you know, obviously, well, tell us what you've seen practiced in some of those places. Well, in Haiti, um, medical missions uh, years ago, we were there, and it is uh, very common to see manifestations of demons and manifestations of uh, evil. Uh, and they do practice uh, voodoo, which is an African occult religion. Kind of coupled with the Catholicism, a lot of them, and they and that's a good example. They it kind of made makes the voodoo more acceptable 
mm-hmm. coupling it with uh, uh, Catholicism, and so it confuses. And that's another, you know, ev- satanic thing is confusion. He's a great liar, confuser. And so we saw that, and that was confusing mm-hmm. <laughs> to me when I first go, "Why are there voodoo pictures on the side of the church?" Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's that, you know, is evidence of what we're talking about. But also, we would see re- real man- manifestations, and it's so common there. The pastor Dio mm-hmm. would say, "Oh yeah, that's a demon. We'll just have to cast him out." Mm-hmm. And he would do it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, take authority over it. Mm-hmm. And one <clears throat> during a service, one woman started looking like she was having convulsions, and I went over there, she was on the ground, kind of jerking and frothing, and she really wasn't frothing. I could tell it was not a seizure. It was a- It wasn't a it medical was, thing. It was a shaking thing. Mm-hmm. I, it was it was an odd situation, and, and Dio says, yeah, that's a demon, you'll just have to cast, we'll just cast her out. And he, he just kept on going with the service. No one really thought much of it, because in Haiti and a lot of these other countries where they're not distracted by all the things we're distracted by, right. they see manifestations and then they accept that they're there and not um blinded by media and by Mm -hmm. materialism and they have to rely on god to cast out demons of illness because they don't have any doctors anyway that's right that's right in in other countries it is a lot more apparent though you know i'd always come back from haiti and say to you man the devil doesn't have to do much here because we're just sitting here in comatose watching Netflix. And so he doesn't need to manifest in people like we see in other countries, even though he's there. And now I believe we are in a time where, I mean, the Lord, since Jesus died, has been getting his bride ready for his second coming. But I really feel that we are coming to a close here uh, when we see him in the clouds. And only, you know, only the Father knows the time and day, but that we will start to see more than we've seen before in the spiritual realm because Satan knows his time is short. And so that's another reason I wanted to talk about this because if you look at, I, I have people in my life that still, and throughout my life, where you're reading the scriptures, like I was doing Bible study fellowship one year. We were in Deuteronomy 18, and I'm going to read it to you right now. It's, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his sons or daughters as an offering. Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer is that how you say that necromancer thank you doctor (laughs) and that means one who inquires of the dead for whoever does things whoever does these things is an abomination to the lord and because of these abominations the lord your god is driving them out before you you shall be blameless before the lord your god so God clearly does not want us to go to other sources to know the future, to find out information about the past, or to acquire acquire information about what's going on right now. He wants us to go to Him and His Word, the Holy Spirit within us, 
there are people, you know, godly people that are prophets that sometimes give us a word of knowledge. But these things are an abomination to God, and it is in the Bible, and it is a slippery slope once we start to uh, look into that. And 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 this is not a shame and condemnation podcast. This, I, but I have been through enough of this. There was a time where you and I, George, were actually on a work trip in New Orleans, and one of the guys we were working with is like, "I really want to get my fortune told. I really want to go do that." And I wasn't really even a Christian. I, I mean, I I was. I I think I had received Christ, but I was on a roller coaster ride. I was not living for him at that time. I had a big check in my heart that I was like, I really don't think I should be um, doing that. And I said no multiple times. And he finally pushed me and it was dark. Like I remember we were in a park and it was dark and I could feel the darkness over me. And he pushed me into doing it. And I did it. And you know, when that came to, when the Holy Spirit brought that to mind years later, when I was walking with the Lord, I repented of that. I I felt that there was some t- sort of stronghold over my life because I remembered some of the words that the fortune teller uh, had told me, and I had to repent to the Lord that you know, you know the future, you know my life, nobody else does. And so these are real things that can make us uh, walk in darkness, even when we don't understand it. Do you have any experiences like that, George? Well, I'm reminded that of another one of yours, <laughs> oh actually, that um, is a good example of how um, how the occult, coached and confused with Christianity, can lead us down a road that isn't that's an occult road instead of the the Lord's road, At, like that party that you're invited to years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, that I can tell that story quick. Um, so I was walking the dog a couple years, well, it was like 10 years ago now, and I ran into a, a friend who wasn't like a super good friend, but a friend where she was going to invite me. She goes, oh, I'm so excited I ran into him. I'm having a women's party, and we're going to have a whole bunch of women in the backyard and just enjoy a beautiful day, and I have a pool and all the, you know, sounds really fun and then she says and it's going to be great because i invited a fortune teller and i'm sure my face just dropped i was i was actually in deuteronomy through bible study fellowship at that time and so in god's perfect will and timing i had uh just read that verse i read you deuteronomy 18 9 through 12 and i was like okay tell me more and she's telling me and i said you know i i don't think God likes fortune tellers. It says in the Bible that we're not supposed to do that. And and I was a fairly new Christian. I hadn't been in the word that long. And she's looking at me like, what? Like She's like, I had no idea. And she's like, but it's okay. It's a Christian fortune mm-hmm, teller. Yeah. And I'm like, hold on. There's no, well, there could be a Christian yeah, fortune teller, yeah. but then are they Christian? Yeah. And I'm like, really? And she starts to explain how this woman's like, it's okay because I am a Christian and I am a fortune teller. And and I'm like, well, this is getting so confusing. And so I went home and I prayed and I felt the Lord wanted me to text her those scriptures. And I did. I texted her Deuteronomy 18 and um, by the grace of God who worked in her, her heart, she 
was convicted and canceled the fortune teller. And I was so, I went to the party and I was so thankful because there were like 45 women there. And I'm like, that could have completely opened the door to so many, into the occult for so many women to idolize this fortune teller and to believe lies that would get them completely off track in their life to listen to lies instead of the truth of who God is. And and keep doing it and keep relying on fortune tellers later on. I mean, many times, yeah. I mean, if you go- Further down the wrong road. Even in our own little town, there's like two fortune tellers just in our own little, if you go- if you look around people, they're every, all this stuff is everywhere. It's everywhere you go. And so in Jesus' name, we just have to pray against it that uh, that people, will, their eyes will be opened to the truth. Isaiah 59, 1 through 10, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear and so that verse literally that separation from god from the garden of eden it's not that god isn't there it's not that he doesn't hear us it's that our iniquities our sins and when we open the door to a lot of these things that witchcraft you know i I, I have the opportunity, I used to, to go into prison, share the gospel, uh, talk to these women that have you know, been through so much, and so many of them had opened the door to, uh, to these lies of the enemy through drugs, through alcohol, through uh, Wicca, through you know, trying to um, do witchcraft, and to, to so many things that, I mean, I can't even get into right now that would mm. just you'd be like scary it's things. just scary and and so that's a whole another podcast but it is real and it is something that um what i would encourage you to do i i have a lot of people in my life throughout the years where you just start having this conversation and they open up all of us have something probably like even for me i remember as a child someone brought a ouija board to one of my sleepovers I, I vividly remember it. And again, I was like, this feels really wrong. But I didn't know any better. I wasn't a Christian. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so I did that. And when the God, the Lord brought that to mind later, again, I repented of it. I asked him to shut the door to any demonic presence in my life that would have happened, that uh, he would bind up any of those curses uh, that's over my life, whether that be through that experience, through the uh, Masons, through anything else, Jesus says that we have the keys to the kingdom in Matthew 16, 9, to, uh, to bind and loosen. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, Matthew 16, 19. And I'm reading uh, from this book, it's called This Mountain by Greg Berglund, who's actually also an MD and has his master's in divinity. But it's fascinating. He says, to bind is to tie up like a cattle roper ties the legs of an animal, rendering them powerless. To be bound is like a person in restraints or wearing a straitjacket. To loose is to set free, like untying the legs of an animal, allowing it to run freely. Loosing removes restraints and permits freedom. To bind declares something forbidden, and to loose affirms something allowed. Binding prohibits and loosing 
permits. And so if we bind the strongholds in our life and ask the Lord to bring them to mind so we can repent of them and then loosen his freedom, his life uh, that he died for us, all the things that he told us that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but he has come to give us life and life abundantly that we can walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ and not be um, captive to the plans of the enemy that may have gone into play from a very, very early age. Amen. <laughs> Amen, sister. You're just staring at me like, okay. I was just thinking uh, how proud I am of you. I haven't been in the studio before. I've listened to podcasts, but you really have a wonderful way of speaking the truth. Okay, honey. Don't make me cry. That's very, very sweet. But we're going to finish this podcast now. Okay. It's true. Um, But so my heart for you guys, for the listeners, is that you, you know, I love you that you are, you can get free and I just spend some time with the Lord. And, you know, again, there's just an outpouring of information right now. And people have been coming to me and telling, just telling me crazy things. And I'm like, okay, let's pray that out. So if you have someone in your life that you know is an is a incredible prayer warrior, if if you don't, you know, find a church, a Bible preaching church, talk to your pastor and say, you know, I have some of these things and I want to be free from it. And I'm praying that you uh, can find someone in your, in your life to pray that out. Mm-hmm. But George, what's the first step in in actually having the power and authority to be able to overcome any of these strongholds? Well, we have to have Christ in us. He is the power. He is the power. He's the Holy Spirit's power. Uh, we, when we cast out uh, spirits, we cast them out in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the first step is to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and uh, have him uh, lead your life. And I uh, like uh, this verse particularly, um, as Romans uh, 10, 9 through 13, the total um, of it because I grew up not thinking it was real complicated to get uh, to be saved, and it's not. If you, it says in Romans, uh, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's pretty simple. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Because you've got to speak it out loud. You taught me this. You've got to speak it out loud so because the, the evil spirits, the, the, the non-God um, uh, beings can't read your mind. You have to say it out loud. And then they know you're, you're gods and they, can't, they have, don't have power over you. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one is confessed and saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Mm-hmm. Amen. So we need to receive Christ first and foremost if we, if we haven't. Because um, there's the power. Yeah, we don't have the power to overcome these strongholds unless we have the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit inside of us. And, and you know, even from the Garden of Eden, friends, 
that is was God's plan is like he knew we were going to be sinful, but he had already set up this plan for Jesus to redeem us from our sins and from going to hell that his own son was going to die on the cross for all of our iniquities, our sin, our wickedness, and that he took the punishment for every single thing we would ever do. Um, and that is the grace and mercy of Christ. And now he is alive. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He um, rose from the grave on the third day, and he's the only one that has overcome death. And so we know that we have the power in Jesus Christ to overcome all of these things. Greater is he um, in us, that Jesus in us as believers in Christ than he who is in the world. And my reading this morning was John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So no matter what darkness you feel you may be in, uh, you got, Jesus can overcome it and the light will always overcome the darkness because Jesus has won the war against the enemy. It is finished and, and we all stand in victory right now as believers in Christ. Although we have to live in this world uh, for this time, we know that we will be in eternity forever with Jesus because what he has done. So I'm praising God for that. And I just want to touch on one more thing before we go. First John 4, 1 through 5. If, you are, if you're confused about um, maybe what's going on or if you're hearing from the Lord or from spirits, that verse says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And so, you know, let's take this Christian fortune teller, for instance. I'm quote unquote Christian. It's like if you're if you're talking to someone and they're like, no, I have a word for you or they're, you know, they need to confess Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ is their Lord out loud. Um, and the rest of the verse says, this is the spirit of the Antichrist if they do not confess Jesus Christ is Lord. So that's very powerful. Look up First John 4, 1 through 5. And uh, let's just pray. I mean, that's when we pray, there is so much power in in those prayers. And Lord, and George, Lord, not George is not Lord, but George is my Far husband. <laughs> George, George, thank I, you so much I'm for Lord. being here and just mm -hmm. jumping on this podcast today. We just talked about this a couple of days ago. Anything else you want to say? I, I just wanted to say um, that power that is in us. That um, you are quoting a lot of scripture, and it's a lot of that is in Jeremy Camp's song we True. heard this weekend in Texas. We did. The same power that mm -hmm. rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. Amen. Now that's some pretty good power. If you can raise someone from raise Jesus from the dead, same power, so we can take authority uh, uh, over whatever yeah. uh, we we meet or is we're confronted with if we uh, we use that power, uh, Jesus power. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we're going to pray, and we'll have some show notes uh, up on the website and you know contact me anytime if you have questions and about this or you you know need some resources but uh, thanks for listening um father god 
We love you. We praise you that you are not a God of secrets or hiding, that you are a relational God, that you love us, that you want us in your family. Lord, thank you uh, that you um, never hide from us, that you're always available, that you want us to be transparent to you, God, so you can heal us in our darkest places. Lord, you know anyway what we're doing. So let us just have hearts that want to cry out to you mm-hmm. uh, to tell you what we've done, to repent and say we're sorry. Lord, mm-hmm. if we have gone down a dark road or a dark corner, which we all have, and even as believers, Lord, bring to mind the things that are holding us back to truly using our spiritual gifts, to truly living in your power, to truly living in the freedom and the joy. Not that life isn't going to be hard, but there can be things that that we're thinking in our minds that have been there our whole life that we didn't even know that you did not want there. So Lord, in Jesus' name, would you come to all the, all the people listening right now? God, would you, in your spirit, bring to mind anything that needs to be cut off, anything that the door needs to be shut to, anything mm-hmm. that needs to be bound in Jesus Christ mm-hmm. so they can live in freedom. And in Jesus' name, we cast those things down to the dry place and Amen. we command you to go and mm-hmm. not return. And we loosen, Lord, your peace. We loosen your power over their lives. We loosen your glory. We loosen, Lord, a life to the full. We loosen the spiritual gifts that you've intended these people to have. And we loosen, Lord, um, a life that only worships the Lord Jesus Christ. As the first commandment says, worship the Lord your God only. And so God, may we be people that worship you only and may you be glorified as you uh, continue to do good in our lives. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen.